Welcome. You are listening to the Upper Room Podcast. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit URFellowship.com. How you doing, everybody? So you guys aren't easily offended, are you? Okay, yeah, we should be good. All right, so today uh, we're going to begin a, a series uh, about our spiritual condition. And between now and Easter, with one break for a very special guest speaker, which, should we tell him? That's yeah, Wesley. Wesley's going to give a message here coming up. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited. <clears throat> so our very special guest speaker other than that one, we're going to be in this series called Blind Spots, and I'm going to ask each, every, each and every one of us to just begin this series by just allowing God to kind of shine a light and reveal the truth about ourselves. Because it turns out, when it comes to knowing the truth about you, everybody has this kind of strange problem. We all suffer from blind spots. If, if everybody in a group is singing, but one person is singing off-key... If one person has an irritating mannerism, if somebody talks too much, if somebody is a close talker and violates your personal physical space, if uh, somebody is emotionally needy and other people kind of cringe when they see that person coming because they know that they're going to kind of suck the life out of them, if somebody has a problem, who's the last person to know? They are, right? Other people know. They talk about it. But they're, you're the last to know, right? But this is true for all of us. The truth about us is we all have these blind spots. So we don't know what the truth about us is sometimes. And this is a problem. Wise people have always understood this. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci said the greatest deception men suffer is from their own opinions. John Maxwell said the most common blind spot is believing others have them, but you don't. Uh, Socrates famously said, know thyself. Right? That's the beginning of wisdom, he said. The Bible has quite a lot to say about this problem with the human condition and what causes it. And um, the Bible says nobody is so well-formed or spiritually mature that they're immune to this. And there's a really interesting story um, about one of the great characters in the Bible, King David. He was so serious about his own spiritual life that he actually called, he was called a man after God's own heart. But the truth about David is he had a couple of major blind spots. One day this man, King David, you probably know the story, with a lot of money, a lot of power, many wives, saw the only wife of another much less wealthy, much less powerful man. He took her. Her name was Bathsheba. He took her just because he could, and she got pregnant by him. And then he abused his wealth and his power to cover up what he had done. You see, in ancient world, in the ancient world, oftentimes politicians thought they could get away with covering up wrongdoing. So that was a strange thing they did in the ancient world. Um, <laughs> Time passes, at least nine months, better part of a year go by, the baby's born, Um, David keeps writing psalms, as far as we know, keeps leading Israel in worship, keeps serving as king, as if he were a man of integrity, when in his heart he knew better. Eventually a prophet named Nathan finds out about this, maybe a lot of other people know, who knows, it's hard to keep secrets, but one day, at court, Nathan says to David, he comes and says to David, David. I must tell you about a man with a lot of money and a lot of power who had many sheep. And he saw the only sheep of another man, 
much less wealthy, less powerful man. And the, the rich, powerful man took the sheep from the poor man just because he could. Now the poor man had nothing. The rich man destroyed the poor guy's life. Meanwhile, a traveler came in, uh, came to the rich man, and the rich man, who had all, these, all kinds of resources, had a lot of sheep, a lot of cattle of his own. He slaughtered that poor man's one sheep to feed the traveler as if he were feeding the traveler out of his own resources. He hosted the celebration as if he were the man of integrity when deep down in his own heart he knew better. Nathan tells David about that man and then waits for David's response. And this is an incredible moment, right, with unbelievable tension. Whoever knew the real story, the backstory, had to just be dying. And it's not like a subtle story, Nathan told. You don't necessarily have to be a genius to get the point. And so here we go. We are going to get David's response to Nathan. David is furious at the man in the story. The text said David's heart burned with anger. So he's not putting on a show. This is David's actual heart. His heart burns with anger against this other guy in the story. David actually says, and note the kind of the righteous indignation, as surely as the Lord lives, he says, as surely as the Lord lives, the man deserves to die. Really, David? That man whose crime is exponentially less dark and less serious than yours, David. That man deserves to die. And David pronounces judgment. And I like to put myself in these stories. I like to kind of imagine if I were there. And I think if I were there, if we were there, we would have seen Nathan roll his eyes and say, okay, let's review the story one more time, David. A rich, powerful guy takes what a poor guy prizes, takes it by force, destroys a poor guy's life, plays the hypocrite in public for everybody to see. David, you got some money. Why don't you buy a clue? Thou art the man, he says. Thou art the man, Nathan says. It's an amazing phrase. There was this fabulous sermon preached a couple hundred years ago by a guy named Joseph Butler, kind of self-deception. He talks about this story of David, and the language he uses is a little archaic, but it's so good. Just had to give you a paragraph. So he said, this is what Butler said, he said, there is not anything relating to men and characters more surprising and unaccountable than this partiality to themselves. Hence it is that many men seem perfect strangers to their own character. They think and reason and judge quite differently upon any matters relating to themselves from what they do in cases of others. And I know what happens in a message like this. People think, man, I can think of some people who really need to hear that message. And that proves my point. Because it goes so deeply in us. Part of what we're going to talk about is kind of the layers and levels of this. Because sometimes, sometimes our blind spots, blind spots aren't accidental. They are purposeful self-deception. Self-deception is the ability to know something at one level, but not know it on another level, because we don't want to know it because it's too threatening. And these blind spots of self-deception are not necessarily the worst things we do, but I think they're the reason why we do some terrible things sometimes. Let me give you some examples. Three examples. Air Florida Flight 90 in 1982, uh, taking off out of Washington, D.C., went down in the Potomac River. It was icy. It was winter. It hit one of the bridges on the Potomac. Many, many people were killed. 
Why? Self-deception on the part of the pilot. We, uh, we have the cockpit recording, 49 minutes after de-icing, 49 minutes, they were starting to get ready to take off. And the co-pilot says, I have some readings here that I'm, I'm not sure are good. And the pilot said, I know what I'm doing. The bureaucrats have all these rules, makes them feel better, but I'm a good pilot. I know what I'm doing. Lots of people died. Blind spots. Self-deception is not the worst thing we do, but it's the reason why we do some terrible things sometimes. Example number two, in the middle of Germany, there's a town called Ordruf. Ordruf was the site of one of the worst death camps in World War II. Um, when Eisenhower, at the end of World War II, liberated it, he couldn't believe what he saw. When General George Patton visited, and if you know anything about George Patton, he, you know he was a tough guy, right? When Patton got there, he wouldn't go in. When he saw it from the outside, he said, I think I'm going to throw up. George Patton was a horrible place. Eisenhower went into the town there, talked to the civic leaders, including the mayor and his wife and others, and said, you knew you had to know what was going on out there. And they all said, no, we didn't know. We didn't know. And they brought them out and they saw it, and not long after, the mayor and his wife hung themselves. You can read about this on the internet. Their last words were, we didn't know, but we knew. Self-deception is not the worst thing we do, but it's the reason why terrible things happen. Third example. Tony Schwartz, CEO of the Energy Project, wrote a Huffington Post blog called Our Infinite Capacity for Self-Deception. That's a couple years ago. He writes about this guy, Victor Crawford. Crawford was a lobbyist for the Tobacco Institute. So he worked for years to defeat anti-smoking bills. Okay? His whole career was built on defeating any legislation that might diminish smoking. He was a lifelong smoker himself. He was diagnosed with throat cancer at the age of 59. He died a few years after that. And this is what he said not long, after, not long before he died, um, after he had been diagnosed. He said, in a way, I think I got my just desserts because in my heart, I knew better. His life work was to keep people smoking. But in my heart, I knew better, he said. It's a fascinating phrase. Self-deception is such a remarkable, mysterious, confusing phenomenon. So the truth about you is you don't always know the truth about you. To, to deceive another person, right, I kind of get that. Because I know the truth and you don't, so I hide it from you. One person doesn't know and the other person knows. But how can I deceive myself? How can I be both deceiver and the one deceived. Victor Crawford in his heart somewhere, somehow, at some level, knew. But, I, but, he, but he said, I rationalized it and denied because the money was so good. He says, I sacrificed my health, my body, my integrity because the money was good. And he rationalized it. Self-deception is not the worst thing we do, but it's the reason why we do the worst things we do. There are things which people know, but they're afraid to tell themselves. And then as Nathan said, thou art the man. And I'll kind of give us all a question to use to try to discern this condition. I use to discern this condition in me because I really think God wants to do something in us and in me and in this community. Uh, and the question is, and we have a slide for this, Jared. Am I quicker to judge, to pass judgment on or gossip about another, other people, other, sorry, 
That was terrible. Am I quicker to pass judgment on or gossip about other people than I am to see and feel the painful truth about myself? Am I quicker to pass judgment on or gossip about other people than I am to see and feel the painful truth about myself? Nathan brings this account of injustice to David, right? And think about this. David is the king, right? In that day, as you know, they didn't have like separate branches of government. There wasn't like the judicial system separate from the executive branch. So So as king, part of David's job is to hear cases and dispense judgment. He brought justice to situations. Nathan tells him the story. David is able to see with great clarity wrongdoing in somebody else at a distance. And passion burns in his heart. But David is completely blind to what's in his own mind, in his own heart, in his own behavior. Have you ever noticed some people have 20-20 vision for faults and flaws and misdeeds of others, but total blind spots when it comes to themselves? Not you, of course, but some people do. Jesus uses this metaphor. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, in other words, if you can't see the truth about yourself, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And of course, what's most frightening about this is we will find a way from keep us from knowing. It's so fascinating. Even in terms of physical vision, there's a condition, there's a loss of focusing ability in our physical vision that often comes with age, but where you can detect and discern stuff fine out there at a distance, but you can't make out stuff right in front of you. And the closer it is, the less well you're able to see it. Anybody experiencing that physically in their life? The truth about us is even our religious faith can keep us from seeing the truth sometimes. That's why James writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. James says the Bible can kind of be a mirror. It's, it's truth from the Holy Spirit that's indispensable for self-awareness. But if I read the Bible the wrong way, if I read it without actually seeking to do what it says, I can actually misuse the Bible to deceive myself and think, what a good person I am, because I read the Bible. I know the Bible, or I believe the Bible. The Bible warns about this. And Paul writes this. It's, it's so fascinating. He says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. And I get it, we live in a, a self-esteem culture, so we never hear stuff like that. Paul says, I want you all to hear this message because there's something inside you that can deceive yourself and put yourself at risk. So I want every one of you to hear these words. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Paul says, I tell you this by the grace given to me. Because grace is not opposed to truth. Truth and grace work together. That's why you see these instructions in the Bible again and again. Proverbs says, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So you need somebody in your life who you have given permission, okay, to correct you and tell you the hard stuff to hear about you. Where you have blind spots. 
For me, like, it doesn't work if a stranger tries to criticize or correct me. They're liable to get punched in the throat. Maybe some of you can relate. Even with people, I've given permission. Do you know what my first reaction is anytime somebody criticizes me? They don't know me. They don't know how I'm wired. They don't know the demands on my time. They don't know my heart. They should take the log out of their own eye before they get concerned about this little speck in my eye. That's always my first thought, just reflexive in me. But I know better. I know I reject their observations so I don't have to feel any pain about me. I know the truth about me is I don't even want to know the truth about me. I've got all kinds of blind spots. So I can't think of myself more highly than I ought. Because Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you miserable, I think. That's the truth about the truth. And there's a scene in one of C.S. Lewis's Narnia books I love because there's so much freedom and grace and life in it. Uh, the story is, if you, you may have read this, it's a, a boy named Eustace has been turned into a dragon. It's a picture of how sin dehumanizes us. And um, he's invited by Aslan the lion, who's the Christ figure, to, to bathe in a pool that can cleanse him, that can remake him, that can rebirth him. But first... He has to shed his old dragon skin. In other words, he has to kind of repent. He has to confess the truth about him. And he tries to do it on his own. And it's hard work. It takes a long time. But he peels off that hard, scaly dragon skin. And then when he goes to get in the water, he looks down at his foot. And he notices it's just, unhard, it's just as hard and scaly as it was before he started. In other words, there's a whole layer of dragon skin under the first layer. And he tries again, but the same thing keeps happening. And he despairs. And the lion Aslan, Christ, says to him, you'll have to let me do it. And this is what Eustace writes. He said, I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. He peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobby looking than the others had been. And there was I, as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that very much. I didn't, I didn't like that much for I was very tender underneath uh, now that I had no skin on. And he threw me into the water and it smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone. And then I saw why. I'd turned into a boy again. What if we let God peel that hard, scaly skin off of us? God still does that. It's so amazing to me. It's like God turns the lights on inside of us. And only God can do this. It's like you become a boy or a girl again. Instead of this kind of stiff, proud, I'm okay, I'm the judge, I'm the evaluator. I will pass judgment on everybody and everything else. There's just this soft, open, humble, God, would you remake me? Would you let me know as much truth about me as I can bear to hear? 
So I would encourage you this week, when you, when you wake up and you go look in the mirror, as you probably will in the morning, would you say, God, just, just like that mirror tells me the truth about my physical body, would you reveal the truth about my character, about my speech, about my habits, about my ego? Just as much truth as I can bear. And this week, when somebody in your life, somebody in your family or at work says something critical, maybe instead of defending or resisting or rationalizing, will you actually humbly, wide open, see if there's something there to learn? I'm looking for a head nod from anybody here. Okay. You do that? Are you excited about that? Okay. You're looking forward to it. Okay. There's this weird thing. Um, There's this weird freedom. And I get tastes of it, not all the time, but tastes more and more when the switch gets flipped and there's this enormous freedom of, I don't have to impress anybody. I don't have to look like anything for anybody. God loves me and nothing is ever going to change that. So I can receive the truth about me. That's such a better place to stand. When all this hard, scaly, don't question me, don't say anything bad about me, I am only the sum of what everybody thinks about me and my reputation. When that gets melted away, it's such a better place to be. So if we can kind of, if we can be the kind of place that's just safe to do that, if I as a person, if you, if your, your family, your small group can be the place where it's safe to do that, oh man, what God can do. This week, read the Bible, and when you read the Bible, read it with a repentant spirit. When you begin reading it, instead of just starting to read and maybe slipping into, boy, what good thing I'm doing, I'm reading the Bible. Or, here's what I will know now that I read the Bible. Just begin by saying, God, would you reveal truth to me about what you want to do in me and who you want me to be? Reveal it in this word to me. Amen? I'm going to ask everybody here, if you would, to make a decision this week. This week will be a different week. This week, with God's help, I will actually... Seek out the truth about me. And if somebody says something to me that's critical about me, instead of kind of leaning away or defending or dismissing, I will actually listen. And I'll be as open as your spirit enables me to be. Amen? All right, Bruce. Amen. Uh, Ian Cron, who wrote the book, The Road Back to You, it's about the Enneagram, but anyway, he said, ignorance is bliss, except when it comes to self-awareness. And there's definitely truth in that. And I love, love David's heart, you know, he was stubborn for a bit, but he came to the place where he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead, lead me in the everlasting way. And really, that is the place, as Chris said, the place of freedom, the place of the fullness of life. Uh, when we deceive ourselves, we're not, we're not helping ourselves out at all. And so I want the ministry team to come up. And if you would want prayer for this area, I mean, let's face it, blind spots are blind spots. <laughs> and we don't know them most of the time. Uh, a lot of times we like them. Uh, so we, I mean, it's a safe place. We feel it's safe. But it's really not, it's not really life in its fullness. And so, 
That's what we want, right? We want to live half-hearted or live live a lie. So let's let's go into the truth, because the truth will set us free, and the truth will make us new. Amen. So, Lord Jesus, we do just give you our hearts. Lord, we even just say that, uh, Lord, you're going to have to make us want this. Uh, because we have put up these things to protect ourselves and to, um, I don't know, we feel like it advances ourselves. But, Lord, we are, are living in deception, Lord. Bring us into the fullness of your goodness and your life. Lord, that we can just be truly free and fully alive and also be fully able to contribute to this world and to people who need your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, I encourage you to come up for prayer for whatever reason and have a great day and enjoy the rain.